Welcome to Catholic Truth. In this video, we're going to be talking about some interesting things about the Bible. Have you ever read the Bible and you were just like, that doesn't seem to make sense? And it casts a doubt on maybe whether the Bible is true or not, maybe whether it's the inspired Word of God or not. I mean, I've read the Bible many times and I've come across things, a few of which I'm going to talk about in this video, and I'm just like, that doesn't make sense. I don't really understand that, including the fact that, like, Jesus walked by some men on a beach and he said, follow me. And and supposedly these men just left their families, left their careers and everything they were doing and just followed a random man on the beach. Is that even realistic to believe? And yes, it is. And I'm going to tell you about it and why it's realistic, completely and totally realistic, even though when I was reading the Bible, it didn't make a lot of sense. And I've always wondered, why would they just follow a random man? It's not like he said, hey, I'm the Messiah. I'm going to change the whole world. Come, follow me. That would make sense. But no, he just said, follow me. And they just followed him. If someone came up to you on the street and said, oh, follow me. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not going to do that but they did for Jesus. So I'm going to explain that and what it means after this. Welcome to Catholic Truth, your place to know, love, and live the Catholic faith and to be able to understand it and defend it. And if you haven't yet, please check out our website, catholictruth.org, and you can find us to bring us to your parish to do a retreat, parish mission, fire up your group, a conference, keynote speaker, and more. You can also check out our merchandise that we have there, our Patreon and PayPal if you would like to support our ministry, and more. Before I even get to the Jesus follow me thing, it reminded me of something else that I had read in the Bible. I read through the whole New Testament one summer, and then at a later date, I decided to read it again, and I saw something that I never saw before. I saw the same exact thing repeated twice in the Bible, in the book of Matthew, and I'm thinking, maybe Matthew messed up. Here, listen to what it says. This I found in Matthew 4, 23, and it says, Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in all the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Now, I love that verse. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and it shows just how wonderful and powerful Jesus is. But then I came across Matthew 9, 35, and guess what? It said the exact same thing. Listen to what it says. It says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. It's literally the exact same thing. Did Matthew forget that he put it in? Did he just kind of, was he making things up and he forgot that he put it in? So he put it in twice? Like, what was he thinking? And I didn't understand it. I mean, this was many years ago now, but... I looked more into it, and I did some research on it, and I found that this is actually a literary style, an ancient literary style, where you use the same exact passage twice, and it's supposed to be and represent bookends. So everything in between these two passages is supposed to be blocked off. So for example, if you read Matthew 4 to Matthew 9, it's all the miracles of Jesus, it's the teachings of Jesus, and it's many of the deep sayings that Jesus did. So it's really the teachings and the life of Jesus all smushed into a little part. So unlike Luke, who wrote a historically 
accurate account in order, Matthew seems to be taking groupings of Jesus' sayings and miracles and putting them together to prove the point that Jesus is the Messiah, the new Moses. So they might not be historical in order of timeline and such, but he's putting them so we can know that he is the new Moses. And I thought that was very interesting, and I never knew that it was a literary style. And that's the thing with the Bible, is there are many things that don't make sense, but when you actually study them deeply, they have really good answers, and there's really good reasons to believe what the Bible's saying. So, for example, historians have been telling us for a while that Jesus was probably crucified in the wrist. There's two bones there, and they historically probably would have put the, the nail through those bones to keep it fastened against the cross, whereas if you put it in the hand, the weight of the body will just pull it off. And I mean, it's possible, like in the Passion of the Christ, they could put ropes around it, but that always troubled me, that the Bible says it was in the hand, and we know it was in the hand, but yet historians were saying it's in the wrist. So I was troubled. And so I went to some of my theology professors and I started knocking on their doors and only one was there. And I asked him the question. He said, Brian, it doesn't really matter because the word in Greek for hand means from the fingertip to the elbow. That is hand. So whether it was in the hand or in the wrist, that's still considered the hand in Greek. And I said, that makes perfect sense. Thank you. Cleared up my confusion. <laughs> and that's what has happened to me 99% of the time when I've come across a difficulty in the Bible, I've looked it up and I've gone deeper and I've studied it and it makes sense. There's good reasons for it. So why did some random men follow Jesus when he just said, follow me? He didn't say, hey, I'm the Messiah. Hey, I'm going to change the world. Hey, let me tell you my great plan for the future of Judaism and Israel. No, he just said, follow me. And we're supposed to believe that some men literally left everything just to follow a guy they didn't know. But it really does make sense if you understand the Bible and if you understand Judaism and the rabbinic culture. It makes perfect sense. Children in Israel used to learn the alphabet up to the age of 10, the Hebrew alphabet. And then from 10 to 14, they would go much more deeply into the traditions and the scriptures and the Torah and the prophets and other things like that. And the rabbis would be looking for new students. So Jewish rabbis would intensely watch and observe these children as they grew up, as they studied. And most importantly, they would look for those who displayed signs of like high intelligence and a giftedness for understanding all of these things. And if a child displayed a certain giftedness and they knew that they were worthy of becoming a rabbi, they would go up to the child and they would simply say, follow me. And the child would get up, he wouldn't even question, and he would follow him. By saying just these two words, follow me, it means that it actually had a very deep meaning. It meant that I think you have what it takes to be like me. And I want you to take on my yoke, meaning my worldview. And I want you to learn from me and study me and, and study and learn everything that I know so that you can become like me. In other words, I want you to study to become a rabbi. Two little words had so much packed into it that most children, many Jewish children, it was their biggest dream to go to Hebrew school and to study and to become a rabbi. I mean, this was like top tier. And so most children obviously did not. And so their dreams were lost and shattered or maybe they didn't even think about it from a young age. And so after that certain age, 
they didn't even think about it anymore. They knew their chances were gone. They knew their chances were lost. And it's just not in the cards for them in their life. But then imagine a man starts walking down the beach while you are in a boat or maybe under a tree. And he says, follow me. Those words are like electric. A, a, a person walking on the beach says, follow me. A Jewish person would know exactly what that meant. It's an invitation to study under a rabbi, to learn from him, to take on his worldview and to become like him and to do what he does. So can you imagine these fishermen and other people who have heard this for the first time? Maybe as a kid, they wanted to hear that and they did not. But now all of a sudden they're getting a second chance and someone is calling them to do what he wants them to do. And he wants them to become fishers of men. So when I first heard that, follow me, that doesn't make sense. I wouldn't follow a random stranger. But then when I understood the Jewish context and the rabbinic context, it makes perfect sense. And Jesus was gathering to himself disciples who he would train. And have you ever wondered why in the Gospel of Matthew on the Sermon on the Mount it said that Jesus took his seat and taught them? Because that's exactly what rabbis did. They sat down and taught their disciples or they sat and taught people. And that's what Jesus did because he is the chief rabbi who is now instructing his children in a sense. And these apostles were going to learn from him every day and every night for three straight years and they were going to receive his full authority and they were going to take his place as leaders of the church. They were going to be given the ministry of leadership in the church, the authority to lead and guide the church and be guided by the Holy Spirit into all truth. So this actually is so cool that once you understand it, it all makes sense. There's so many people who say the Bible has contradictions and they don't often do the research. You know, I, I had a guy who told me, oh, the Bible has lots of contradictions. I said, like what? He said, what? I said, you said it has contradictions. Like what? He's like, oh, well, I don't know. I can't think of any at the time. I was like, um, <laughs> I was like, I don't know if you actually know the Bible that well. There's been whole books written by the Bible. I mean, when skeptics ask by Norman Geisler and Ron Brooks, they, admittedly they're Protestants, but they're pretty good scholars and they do a good job of answering atheist and agnostic critiques of the Bible. And this book is kind of short, but their other book, When Critics Ask, it's a popular handbook of Bible difficulties. It's like, I don't even know, 600 pages or so, and it's answering all the difficulties and contradictions in the Bible. I have Catholic ones up there too, the um, one by Trent Horn called Hard Sayings, and he goes through the difficult passages of the Bible and he explains them. So there's and, uh, another Protestant one I have is called Is God a Moral Monster? Understanding the death and destruction of the Old Testament and having it make sense. So these things can make sense if you have doubts that's okay. If you're struggling to believe in the Bible or the inspired word and you read things that don't make sense, press deeper into them. Dive deeper into them and you can find that most of these things make complete sense and they really do have a good reason for writing what they write and believing what they believed. And I've been studying this for a very, very long time because I don't like to believe things that aren't true. So if I come across a difficulty, I want to look it up. I have whole, you can't see it on the other sides of my room, but I have entire commentary sets that explain the Bible. So when I have questions, I go to these commentaries, I go to these dictionaries, and I go to these uh, concordances 
searches and other things and I try to look up the answers and I would challenge you to do the same thing as well. To put those puzzle pieces in place and help it to all make sense because then it becomes interesting. You have this thirst to know more about Christ, to know more about his word and then even more so it changes your life. Thank you so much for watching today. I really hope this has helped you. If you're struggling uh, yourself with the Bible, I hope this has helped you. And we're going to be making a video uh, soon. Uh, a Jehovah's Witness left the Jehovah's Witnesses and he made a, a, a video called 30 Contradictions in the Bible. So I'm going to be going through those and answering those and showing that they're really not contradictions and they're really not well thought out. Uh, and we will be doing more on these in the future because I know that it's questions that people have. So please share this. If you're new here, please consider subscribing to our channel and you have to hit the bell notification icon if you want to get our videos. So many people are saying they're not getting them. We'll make sure the notification icon is hit. And also please check out our description section below. Check out our new merchandise. Uh, we would love to come serve your church. And please, please consider supporting us on PayPal and Patreon because we only exist because of you. If people do not support us, we can't do the work we're doing. And as we're growing, we almost can't keep up. So we need more people to support our ministry. Even just $25 a month, $50 a month would be super helpful. Uh, tithing each month to God, uh, even 10, 15, whatever you can do would be super helpful in everything we give back to the salvation of souls. So thank you all for watching. Keep praying for us. We're always praying for you. God bless you.